Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say you look really good today. Now turn back to him and say you look better than I first thought when I walked in. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for allowing us to come together to exalt you and praise you, to glorify you, to learn of your word and be impacted by your spirit. So Lord, we are gathered here in your name to uh, be your people, to grow and to expand and to be led by you. So Lord, teach us today in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. I heard about a 85-year-old woman who decided at 85 she was going to join a yoga class. A little old to be joining a yoga class, but uh, she went, and as she went, she uh, was a little uh, intimidated, and she got there, and she stretched, and she pulled, and she twisted, and she sweat, and she was completely worn out, and by the time she got her leotards on, it was over, so... <laughs> I've never felt that way. Yeah, you're headed somewhere, but it just doesn't turn out the way you think it's going to turn out. How many of you remember Yogi Berra, who was the Hall of Fame uh, catcher for the New York Yankees? Yogi is dead now. He hasn't been dead that long, but uh, he has a list of sayings, and there's many of them. They're called Yogiisms. Now, he wasn't trying to say something funny. He just said goofy stuff. And I just want to share a few of them with you this morning. He, he talked about a person who hits from both sides of the plate. He's amphibious. Uh, it's impossible to get a conversation going because everybody was talking so much. I'm not going to buy my kids an encyclopedia. Let them walk to school just like I did. I never said most of the things I said. It ain't the heat, it's the humility. <laughs> Pair up in threes. I usually take a nap uh, for two hours between uh, one and four. It's deja vu all over again. Why buy good luggage? You only use it when you travel. Baseball is 90% mental and the other half is physical. And this is the one I want to get to. You've got to be very careful when you don't know where you're going because you might not get there. You got to be careful if you don't know where you're going because you might not get there. How many of you know we're all going somewhere? We're headed somewhere. We're traveling somewhere. We're moving somewhere. And God knows where he's going. How many of you know God knows where he's going? Matter of fact, God doesn't do anything without the end already in mind. So I want to talk to you this morning about living your life with the end in mind. How many of you know that's good advice? We need to live our life with the end in mind. If you have your Bible, I'm going to turn to Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 10. And as the Holy Spirit moves upon Isaiah, he speaks. And this is God speaking. And this is what's said. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. This is what God is saying. When I started this, I knew how it was going to end. When I started this, I knew exactly how it's going to end, and it's going to end exactly the way I say it's going to end. How many of you know God is in control? 
Now, with that said, I want to give you a different translation here to kind of bring it home. This is the New Living Translation. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. This is thematic throughout Scripture that God has a purpose, he has a plan, and his plan and his purpose is going to be fulfilled. Now, he wants us to be a part of that. But how many of you know we have a choice to be a part of that? So he doesn't leave you out of the loop. He doesn't leave me out of the loop. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, Peter writes and tells us that Jesus, as the Lamb of God, was to redeem us with his blood from the foundation of the world, but was only manifest in these last days. So when did God have in his mind that he was going to redeem you? From the foundation of of the world. Now this is important because it helps us to think with what? The end in mind. So if you and I think with the end in mind, we're going to think like God is thinking. God has a pattern. How many of you know God has a pattern? We learn his pattern in the word of God. And we feel that unction of the Holy Spirit so we can think with the end in mind. I really don't know why I felt led to address this because there's a lot of stuff out here in religiosity and churches and religion. And I got to studying about this and I found out that Stephen Covey, who wrote the seven, uh, you know, very good habits of highly effective people. How many of you have ever read that book? So several of you read the book. Now, I don't think he's alive anymore, but I found out that habit number two was this, that the second habit mentions begin with the end in mind. Now, this is what I'm a firm believer. When the secular world finds something out, it was already in the Word of God. How many of you believe that? You and I cannot improve on the Word of God. Every great leadership principle, every life principle, every family principle, every marriage principle is already in this book. Can I hear an amen? So you can't improve on the Word of God. So we're living with the end in mind. How many of you know who Steve Jobs is? He, he's a pretty highly effective person. He's, he's dead now. But this is what he wrote. He said, highly effective uh, people, and, and this is what is the quote here, remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything... All external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Your attention, please. If you and I will get this area right in our life as far as the end, how many of you know there's an end coming? We're going to face an end. The Bible says that all will die. And then we're going to do what? Face the judgment. Last statistic I read, every person dies. There will only be one generation that will not die, and that's when Jesus Christ comes back, right? So if I live with the end in mind, it's going to help me live a greater productive life because I've already taken care of the end. Now, I want to give you three things this morning. Get a pencil and paper out because it's very important that you get this. Living in the end mindset or living with the end in mind gives us security. Say that with me. Gives us security. Now let's all say it. Gives us security. If I were to go bungee jumping, how many of you here has ever bungee jumped? Raise up your hand. So we have a few crazy people with us today. And... Uh, 
I've never bungee jumped, but the first thing that would be on my mind would not be jumping. It would be the landing. Come on. It would be the landing. I would want to make sure whoever is strapping my legs and feet in know exactly what they're doing. I want to make sure that they've got all of the straps and the latches secure. Y'all are so holy. I would want to make sure this cord is, is, is bigger than my little finger. I would want to make sure that it's not longer <laughs> than the place I'm jumping. What am I doing? I'm thinking this thing through because if I don't get this right, yeah, okay, I've never been skydiving. Carrie wants to go, bless her. Why would you want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane? I don't know. I know one Sunday, I, I came in the foyer back there, and I was walking through, and, and Jacob Dunlap, who sits over here to my right usually, and, and he was walking through, and he said, well, how did Matt like his skydiving? And I said, uh, I don't know. I didn't know. And Jacob just kind of turned around and walked off. <laughs> because Matt never told his mother and I that he was going to go sky, skydiving. So I got on the phone. And I said, did you go skydiving? Oh, yeah, Dad, I went skydiving. Obviously, he's okay, you know. But he didn't want to tell us he's jumping out of planes. And I'm thinking, if I'm going to do that, first thing I'm thinking is, you know, harness me upright, get, get me snapped in right. Who packed the chute? Will it open? What's the process? Because if you're bungee jumping, if you're jumping out of a plane, if you don't get it right, there's an awful ending at the bottom, right? If you don't get this eternal life thing right, there's an awful wreck at the ending. And so I have to live with the end in mind. And the first thing it gives me, if I do that, it gives me what? Security. Now, if we're not prepared, there is going to be an ending that you don't like and that I don't like. Now, here's a question. Why would anybody here today want to leave and not have that ending right? I mean, it's kind of a duh moment, right? Now, in the middle of the, the, middle of the duh moment, I can say I've done that. And I'm going to guess you have too. This is not your first church service. And I'm going to guess when you gave your life to the Lord, whether it was in your car, at the home, uh, whether it was in somebody else's home or in a church, it probably wasn't the first time you heard the gospel. So we have to say that I've got to be careful because the only thing that can secure my eternal life is Jesus. I can't be good enough, smart enough, educated enough, can't have enough money, can't be moral enough. The only way I'm going to get to heaven, the only way you're going to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. There will be an ending on this earth. There will be ending in this life. So you have to think with the end in mind. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Turn over there really quickly and just stay there. Ephesians chapter 1. Now I'm going to say some things you may not agree with. That's okay. You can be wrong. But... Uh, I'm just kidding you. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. I'm a firm believer that Paul knew what he was talking about. 
I believe the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Anybody believe that? Now, he writes to the church, and we're the church, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. Now notice there, number one, he has blessed us. Say that with me. He has blessed us. What did he bless you with? With every spiritual blessing. Praise God, we're blessed. He has also chosen us. But here's the question, have you chosen him? He's already chosen you. I know what God's choice about you is. He wants you to come to him. When did he want that? According to scripture, before the foundation of the world. He had you in mind before you ever existed. Verse 5, drop down to verse 5. He predestined us to adoption. He, at the beginning of the foundation of the world, wanted you in his family. He wanted me in his family. He wanted all of us in his family. When did he want that? At the very beginning, according to Scripture. Now, before you freak out, what does this mean? Predestined. It means, and here is the definition of the Greek word that he uses, to decide beforehand, to predetermine. God predetermined he wanted you in his family. God, before time, predetermined he wanted you in his family. He decided beforehand that you should be saved, and he wanted you to be saved, and the question we have today, does God really want everyone to be saved? And according to Scripture, how many of you know, it's not my opinion, not your opinion, it's Scripture. We, we got to go by Scripture. Now, there's something going through the church today called hyper-Calvinism. And if you believe in hyper-Calvinism, then there's no reason for us to meet today. There's no reason to take up an offering. There's no reason to send out missions. There's no, there's no reason to witness because if God has already decided everybody who's going to be saved is going to be saved and there's nothing we can do, our decision doesn't matter, then we might as well hold hands, sing kumbaya, go home and watch Andy Griffin. But that is not what the Scripture teaches. So don't fall into that trap. So do we believe that God wants everybody to be saved? Well, the only way you can answer that is with Scripture. 2 Peter chapter 3, 9. It is his will that no one should perish, but everyone should what? Come to repentance. 1 Timothy 2 and 4. God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you remember when Jesus was sitting on the hillside and he's overlooking Jerusalem, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, this is his words. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Say that last line with me. And you were not willing. Do you know your will comes into play? He says, I would have gathered all of you together, but what? You were not willing. But it's his will that everyone should be saved. That everyone come to repentance. That no one 
is to be lost. That is God's will. But he says here, but you were not willing. And goodness gracious, isn't it good to be willing to come to Jesus? Let me ask you a question. How are you saved? How do we get saved? Paul tells us. Let me ask you this question. How, how are you redeemed? Look with me. Go down to verse number uh, 7. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. When Jesus died at the cross and shed his blood, if you believe in him, confess in him, and have faith in him, guess what? According to scripture, Paul says you are what? Redeemed and have forgiveness of sins. Isn't that good news? Because of Jesus, what he did at the cross, it's not you, it's not me. Now listen, I, I know I'm saying that, but it's not by works, it's not by your mentality, it's not by your money, it's not by your heritage, it's not by your ethnicity, it's because of what Jesus did at the cross. How many of you believe that? But you had to respond to what he did. Verse number 7, we have forgiveness of sins because of the riches of his grace, Verse 11, he uses this term again, being predestined. It was predestined that you and I have an inheritance. How do we have an inheritance? As sons and daughters, when your parents pass away, if you've been a good one maybe, and they got something, what do they do? They leave you an inheritance. Guess what? When Jesus died... When he died, we became inheritors of so great a salvation and every spiritual blessing because what happened? When we chose him, we were a part of the family of God. So we have an inheritance. How? By adoption, according to Paul. Now, here's where we could say, no need to engage myself in the process. If everything's already predestinated, everything determined, God's got this all mapped out. How many of you know that some people actually buy into this? And we have to be careful that we read the entire verse. Okay, here we go. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to read it all. Look at verse 12. Paul says... We trusted in Christ. Verse 13, he said, you trusted in Christ. Why? Because you heard the gospel. When you heard the gospel, you trusted in Christ. And when you heard, you believed. And when you believed, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Is that what it says? Come on, somebody look at me. Is that what it says? It says, when, when you believed, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? That you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? We have to go back in the time it was written. You have to see what the word actually means. There's two things that the sealing of the Holy Spirit does for you. One, do you remember when they would seal something back in those days? They even sealed particles, uh, uh, parcels, and, 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 and different uh, things such as uh, vessels, and certainly scrolls and letters and correspondence, they sealed them. And the king or the, the authoritarian, the, the person in charge, usually had a signet ring or they had a seal and they would melt wax and, and they would seal it. And we still do that today. We call it a notary public. It makes, what does it do? It makes it official. Two things that happens. Number one, it, 
it makes it where it's not contaminated or no one breaks that seal. The second thing it does, it gives you proof of ownership. Gives you proof of ownership. So if you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, here's the good news. Whenever you go out tomorrow and nobody can see you, just, just the physical, I want you to know that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, God knows those who are his. Isn't that wonderful? So here you are. You're working. You're, you're working with your family. You're going about. And the Bible says, if you're a believer, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. God knows who you are. And here's another wonderful fact. Every devil in hell knows who you are. Every devil in hell knows who you are. Why? Because the identification of who you are is marked on your life by the Holy Spirit. Now, drop down a little bit further. Verse 12, we trusted in Christ. You trusted in Christ after you heard the gospel. When you heard, you believed. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, he refers to their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know you have an active role in your salvation? Let's, let's put it in reverse. He says, you heard. He said, you trusted. You believed. You have faith. Guess what? Th that's you. You heard. You trusted. You believed. You had faith. You have an active role in your salvation. And in this journey that we're on, isn't it good to get the end fixed before you start the journey? Now, this is what I'm saying. If I know that if the Lord tarries, I'm going to die, why wouldn't I fix that right now? Why wouldn't I get that right? Why wouldn't I say, Lord, there's only one place I can be secure when I die, and that's to be hid in you. So if you get that settled, guess what? You just start living your life. You get married, you go to work, you have friends, you, you begin to uh, do all the things that you're called to do, you want to do, you're living to do uh, with the kids, the grandkids, because you know if something happens on this journey, I am going to win. No matter what happens, I win. No matter what happens, I'm going to win this because my life is hid with Christ. Can I hear an amen? Here's number two. It gives me focus. If I live with the end in mind, not only does it give me security, it gives me focus. Number two. You can't hit what you can't see. You can't reach your goals if you don't have goals. I remember looking at a cartoon. This was kind of a rural setting. And there was a barn there. And on the side of this barn, it had all these bullseyes. And all these bullseyes were drawn and it had an arrow right in the middle of each one of them. And someone would come up and said, man, you're a great archer. He said, no, I just shoot it and then draw the bullseye around it. <laughs> How do you know somebody who's living their life that way? They are just wandering generalities. No focus, no goal, no purpose, no calling. And I want to say when I said all those things, those aren't true, but they hadn't figured it out yet. They hadn't found it out yet. So you and I, we have purpose. We have focus. We don't want to be a wandering generality. We want to have worthwhile plans, meaningful destinations. We want to have clarity. And there's some people, I'll guarantee you, they're walking around, looking up in the sky, and absolutely don't have a clue. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Yesterday, Matt and I, we were driving, and we were in his truck, in his pickup, 
And uh, so we're going down the road, speed limits, you know, way up. And this person, and uh, it was a lady, and ladies, I'm sorry, it just happened to be a lady. And, and she's driving down the road, and she's literally in the middle of the road. She's looking around, just kind of casual. That burns me up. I mean, just absolutely drives me crazy. If you don't have anything to do, and if you don't have anywhere to go, get off the road! I got places to go. I got things to do. You're holding me back. Come on, y'all are so holy. It just drives me nuts. And she just going around. She'll get her check on the first, you know. And she just buzzing around. I'm thinking, come on, get out of the road. Finally, she looks in the mirror, sees somebody behind her, and she moves. And I'm thinking, good gal, get away from me. Isn't this a wonderful Christian pastor you have? But I'm telling you, one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to give us focus. You say, well, how, how does that happen? Take your Bible, Acts chapter 2, because I want to prove to you this is absolutely the truth. Not only do we find security if we live life with the end in mind, we also find focus in life that we're living. Acts 2 verse 17, this is when uh, Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's come down, filled uh, those 120 believers, and he gets up because the world doesn't know what's going on, and they still don't know what's going on. But I'm just telling you, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't understand what's happening. And Peter goes back to an Old Testament prophet and begins to preach out of the second chapter of Joel. And this is what he says, verse number 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now notice this word here about the sons and daughters. They're going to do what? Prophesy. Notice the P-R-O in that word. The P-R-O means beforehand or in front of or prior to. You know what prophecy is? That's kind of seeing the end before it happens, right? You look at Isaiah, Jeremiah. You look at all of those prophets. You know what they did? They begin to tell us what was going to happen before it ever happened. You know what they're doing? They're living their life with the end in mind. How were they able to do that? By the Holy Spirit. Because your natural understanding only goes so far. My natural understanding only goes so far. If you're a believer, guess what the Holy Spirit begins to do in your life? Gives you insight to the future. Gives you insight to the now, but also tomorrow and the next day. So not only do we have security because we're saved, but also we get some focus because the sons and daughters shall prophesy. They're speaking of things in the future, the process before it happens, and the old men are dreaming dreams, and the young men are seeing what? Visions. They're not seeing visions of the past. That verse is not referring to that. They're seeing visions of what? What's out in front of them. What the Lord is going to do. What the steps are. What the process is. How God's moving. Now, I want to tell you, I'm somewhere between the visions and the dreams right now. Because the old men are going to what? Dream dreams. They're not just dreaming dreams of what was, they're dreaming dreams of what can be. Man, I tell you what, I'm still dreaming dreams of what can be. 
I'm still dreaming dreams that God is a great big God and he's not finished with anybody here today. I'm dreaming dreams that God wants to use every person here. And if you're here for the first time, I'm just telling you, God has something for you. Just get focused because we're headed somewhere. Can I hear an amen? The Holy Spirit gives us focus. Clarity is great value. We begin to see very, very clear. In Job chapter 14, Job, poor Job. I think y'all heard about Job last week, right? Goodness gracious, Job had it horrible. In chapter 14, verse 1, Job says, Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. Okay, Job, just cheer me up with those words. I mean, you just want to get with Job and go jump off a bridge if he's going to keep talking like that, right? But the good news is he doesn't stop. That chapter doesn't end there. But this is what he's saying. In our humanity, there is an ending. In our humanity, there is going to be a sudden stoppage to the world that we know. In our humanity, this world will not continue the way it is now. Can I hear an amen? And Job is saying that. He says, few days, full of trouble, comes like a flower, fades away, fleeting as a shadow. We do not continue. And every person is born of a woman is going to go through that. How many of you were born of a woman? Well, the rest of you are aliens, I guess. Some of you didn't raise your hands. But I'm telling you, every person here is going to come to an ending. Now, he later in this same chapter speaks of a tree that's cut down. You ever seen a tree that's cut down? But he says when that tree, even though it's cut down and that stump looks like it's dead, at the hint of water, when water comes to the roots of that tree that has been cut down, you'll start seeing sprouts that will start coming back to that tree. He later says in this chapter, he says, if a man dies, will he live again? And Job answers his own question. He says, I am waiting for my change. He says, if you call me God, I will answer. I know that my Redeemer lives. Job is saying this, even though when my life on this planet is over, that is not the end. That I'm going to live beyond this and one day he's going to call, I'm going to answer and I'm going to live in eternity with God. Can I hear an amen? You are threefold in nature. Your body, your soul, and your spirit. You were created in the very image of God, right? You and I are created in the image of God. Your body, soul, and spirit. Some people are only focused on the body. Only the body. The body takes everything. Now, you should have some focus on your body. Goodness gracious, put some deodorant on before you come. <laughs> Comb your hair. Put, put you some good clothes on. And, you know, just have some focus on your body. But some people, that's their entire focus. Tonight, everybody say tonight. Academy Awards. There's going to be a whole auditorium that are just focused on themselves. And here's the tragedy. They think we care. I get so sick of that. These people are comedians and they think they're politicians. They're actors and they think they're economists. 
and they think we care. Goodness gracious. They got a wrong focus. Entertain me, don't preach to me. Entertain me, don't politicize me. Entertain me, I'm not buying your Kool-Aid to drink. But they have a very slim focus. Not only are we body, we're also soul. And some people, and we should be focused on the body, we should be focused on the soul. We want to love, we want to have the right emotions, we want to have friends, you, you want to get married, you want to have family, you want to have good relationships, you want to have good connections, but you're just not soul. You're also spirit. Let me explain it to you in a way that I understand it, and it's pretty simple the way I understand things. You're kind of like a Russian doll. You have a body that contains your soul, that contains your spirit. But one day, this body's going to be laid down. And that part of you that thinks and rationalizes and that part of you that God breathed into you is going to live somewhere forever. And so if your focus is just on one thing or two things, how many of you know we are body, soul, and spirit. So I've got to take care of my body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? I need to take care of my relationships, my emotions, my thinking, my mind, my will, my, my soul. i got to take care of my spirit. So I've got to have some focus that focuses on all of those and not just one of those. I've got to live with the end in mind. And here's the last one, number three. Not only do I get security when I live with the end in mind, not only do I get focus when I live with the end in mind, I also get direction because once I get my focus, I know what direction to move. Do you know the Bible says the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord? Now, you, you, you can go on that path or not. I mean, you know, there is a straight and narrow path, and there is a gate. Not everybody finds it. But I know this, it's his will that everybody does find it. But not everybody will find it. But here's the good news. God has direction for everybody here. And he has direction for me, and he has direction for you, and he has direction for you. And so I want to be in that direction because once I have focus, I can begin to move in the right direction. Now, when did God want me to move in the right direction? From the foundation of this world. You say, well, I don't understand that, Pastor. L let me give you something I think you can understand. Most of you know that in June, Carrie and I are supposed to have our first grandbaby. And it's going to be a little girl. And uh, yeah, thank you. Some of you are not clapping because you know what we're in <laughs> store for, maybe. But anyway, uh, we, we think they're going to name her Riley Ann. Now, if they change the name, that's going to be uh, different. But Carrie and I are all, already calling her, what, what, we're already calling her Riley Ann. And she's not here yet. Do you know Friday I did my first grandpa purchase? <laughs> so Carrie and I, we went to Oklahoma City, and I bought some things for Riley Ann. And I'm pretty proud of it. I just want to tell you. So, so we bought some things for Riley Ann. And, and we bought those. We purchased those for her. And she's not here yet. God purchased you before you arrived. Now what you do with that, that, that that's up to you. But I'm telling you, when we read all those scriptures... It's just like me going 
shopping for Riley Ann. And you're saying, Pastor, why are you buying all these things for her? She's not here yet. But I'm in anticipation. She will be here. From the foundation of the world, God knew you were coming. He knew you were coming. And just like Grandpa Mike, already paying a price for Riley Ann when she hadn't arrived yet, that's exactly what your Heavenly Father has already done for all of us. Right? What a wonderful thing. So now you and I, if we know this, and you can't leave today and say, I don't know this because you know it now, that the gospel has been preached that Jesus, through the redemption of his blood, has given us salvation, forgiveness of sin, made us in the beloved. Now we can be adopted into the family of God. He has chosen us. Now let us choose him. And every spiritual blessing has already been purchased for us before he ever started this world. I tell you, I feel better already, don't you? Every spiritual blessing has already been purchased for us according to Scripture before the world ever began. Now, by faith, I have to embrace it. By faith, I take hold of it. By faith, I walk in it. Why? I can see it now. I have focus. And I have direction. So now, every day, let us walk in that way because we are seeing the end at the beginning and it does so many wonderful things to our lives. Would you bow your head with me today? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.